everyone. This is Jake Milwee. I want to welcome you to the sermon podcast for Sweetwater Christian Church. We are glad that you are interested in joining us as we follow Christ. If you would ever like to support our ministry financially or just learn more about us, head on over to sweetwaterchristian.org. Thanks and God bless. Well, good morning. It's good to be with you all. Uh, I, I enjoy, like I said, every time I enjoy being with your congregation, I enjoy being amongst you friends. So thanks for having me back. It's always good to be here. Uh, praise God we are out of the book of Habakkuk. All God's people said amen. And uh, yes, amen to that. And we are just going to jump into the New Testament. And here's kind of, I'm with you for a few more weeks before we hit Advent. And so now here, let me say this. If you're one of those people who when November 1st hits, you bring out that Christmas tree and you fire up Mariah Carey and you're like ready to go, God be with you. That's fine. I'm not, no one should squelch that joy for you. That's fine. I'm not that person. Uh, I, I need to wait a little bit longer before I get there. But kind of when you, work, when you work in ministry and when you work for the church, your whole kind of year-long schedule and your whole planning and everything revolves around like the big date. So you have like Easter and then we have Christmas and all this. And so in my brain, because I do full-time ministry, we're already like in Advent because I, we're doing prep for that where I work. So we're already in Advent in my brain and I realize we're not there quite yet in reality. But for the next couple times that I'm with you, before we hit that, I wanna kind of do a little bit of, of teaching on some passages that I think can help us prepare to get there. Granted, Advent is about kind of waiting and just longing and, and hopefully sifting through some things, but... What if we began to do a little bit of that legwork before we stepped into that season? So to that end, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. We're going to be reading from what on the surface is a little bit of an obscure passage in the book of Matthew. Okay, it's, it's Jesus teaching and there's kind of two different illustrations that he uses. And some of us might sit here and go, I've actually, I've read that a few times or I've heard it, but it's not one of like the well-known parables. It's not a well-known teaching. It's not one of kind of the, what we perceive to be the high points of ministry of Jesus, but it's this obscure little story about an interaction that Jesus has with the Pharisees that I think is really helpful for us as we kind of get ready to prepare for Advent and for the season that we're about to enter into as the church. So to that end, let's pray. And then we will jump into Matthew chapter 12. Pray with me. Lord, thank you for your goodness towards us. Thank you for cooler weather. Um, it's always such a nice thing when we live here, just in just the sauna of the armpit of America. So God, thank you for cooler weather. We're grateful for that. Holy Spirit, would you just kind of hover over us today and create in us something new so that at the end of this, we can be more and more formed into the image of Jesus. That's our desire, God, would you, through your grace and through your love for us, make that our experience and make that reality this morning. God, we love you and we trust you. It's the name of Jesus we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 12, we're going to start reading in verse 38, and these verses really just kind of come about in the middle of an extended period of teaching of Jesus. So it's not really, it's not a miracle, it's not a parable, Jesus is just giving instruction and the disciples and the Pharisees and some other people are around. And Jesus is just teaching. He's responding to the questions that they have. He's kind of guiding them through some stories. He's explaining some Old Testament passages. And in the midst of all this, even though Jesus has already previously done miracles, Jesus is going to continue to do miracles, the Pharisees and the teachers 
kind of the religious powerhouse people of the day, they're sitting there listening to Jesus, and then they ask him this question, starting in verse 38. They say this. It says, Then some of the Pharisees and teachers of the law said to him, Teacher, we want to see a sign from you, a miracle, a proof, something from you. And Jesus answers, and he says this, A wicked and adulterous generation asks for a sign, but none will be given it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will stand up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and now something greater than Jonah is here. The queen of the south, that's the queen of Sheba, will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it. For she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom. And now something greater than Solomon is here. When an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not find it. Then it says, I will return to the house I left. When it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept clean, and put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits, more wicked than itself, and they go in and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than the first. That is how it will be with this wicked generation. A really incredibly uplifting passage. (laughs) An incredibly just like, yes, the gospel, Jesus, this is great. But I think what Jesus is doing here, Jesus is masterfully weaving the story and masterfully kind of revealing the hypocrisy and the arrogance and the confusion of the Pharisees and of the teachers of the law at the time. Because what was happening is, so I'm really into like mysteries and true crime and all that stuff. Some of you are, some of you aren't. It seems to be really um, polarizing people either, you're either in it or you're not and that's okay. But think with me, if you're watching a good mystery, if you're reading a good mystery novel, if you pay attention, if you, are, if you are an observant listener or reader or watcher, you might be able to, along with kind of the detective or the person who's kind of walking through this, you begin to pick up clues, right? You begin to realize um, alibis and evidence and clues and kind of begin to weave the narrative of the story of what actually happened and what potentially might be about to happen if you're observant, if you're a keen observer, if you kind of have the eyes to see and the ears to hear what is happening. And Jesus looks at the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and he's telling them, he's saying, you have been given clue after clue after clue after clue and you continue to miss it. You continue to miss what is actually happening and so you come to me, you come asking for a sign even though countless signs have already been given to you. And Jesus is saying, you are missing, you have blinded yourselves to the reality of what God is doing and to the truth of the message and to the unveiling of the great mystery that is before you in me, in the person of Jesus. And so you come asking for a sign and Jesus says, I'm not going to give you a sign. Now, granted, he's already given them several signs and will continue to give several signs through his miracles, but he's like, I'm not going to give you what you want. I'm not going to be your puppet And he says, so let me illustrate through the Old Testament, which y'all, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, would have known really well. 
And he says, let me give you two somewhat obscure stories and examples to make my point. And the first one that he uses is the story of Jonah. And he says, look, he goes, the people of Nineveh who did not know God, who were very anti-everything about God, when they heard Jonah's message, after Jonah had been three days, it says, in the belly of this great fish, Jonah is vomited back up there and he goes to Nineveh. And they respond. According to the story, the Ninevites respond and they they confess and they worship God and they do all these things. And Jesus tells the Pharisees and the teachers of the law and his disciples and everyone around him, he says, this generation, the people that I'm talking to now, this wicked generation, the Ninevites themselves will rise up and condemn you at the end because they got it. They, they had ears to hear and hearts to understand and eyes to see the message that was before them and they responded to it. Not so with you, Jesus is saying. He said, you've been given sign after sign after sign all the way back to the Old Testament and you have not responded. You have missed it. And he says, the Ninevites themselves will rise up on the last day and will condemn you for it. And then he uses this other really obscure example. He uses this example of the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba. Now kind of go back in history with me. Remember Solomon King David's son, Solomon is the wisest person on the planet at this time, and probably of all time, if you kind of read the story, but he's the wisest person who's a ruler. He's doing things right, it seems. His government is increasing. He's got just enough wealth to just kind of do whatever he wants. And the queen of the south, the queen of Sheba, hears about him, and she's like, I have a lot of stuff. She She was pretty well off herself, She's like, but I lack wisdom. And so I need to go to this man, Solomon. I need to go to this kind of source of great wisdom in our culture and in our world right now. And I'm going to learn from him. And so she does. You can read about this in the Old Testament. Queen of Sheba marches in there. And she she learns from Solomon. And Jesus says, he goes, the queen of Sheba herself, just like the Ninevites, will rise up against you, O wicked generation, and condemn you because she actually acted on what she needed to do. She knew she lacked wisdom. She knew she needed to to respond to something, and so she did. And Jesus uses these two, again, obscure, strange illustrations to say, y'all have just missed it time after time after time. And Jesus is gracious and kind, and he doesn't leave us right there. He doesn't just go, well, you guys have missed it. Good luck. Figure it out. No, he uses an even more strange story to show, hey, there's a way beyond this. There's a way to kind of work through some of this if we have the ears to hear and the hearts that are soft and the eyes to see what God is doing. This is where he tells the really random story. He says, when an impure spirit, when a a demonic spirit leaves somewhere, leaves a person, then that person has a chance and is able to kind of get their house in order, metaphorically speaking. They're able to kind of clean shop. They're able to kind of straighten things, organize things, get rid of the cobwebs. All of that stuff is able to happen. But if that person is then not filled with something good and filled with something of God or filled with something pure or filled with something of the Holy Spirit, then Jesus says, guess what? That vacancy won't be vacant for long. Something even more evil than before will come and fill it. Now, let's remember some context of what's happening here. You're in, you're in kind of the people of Israel, you got the temple that's there. And if you think with me for a second, think with me way a few years back to right between the Old Testament and the New Testament. We're going to do a little bit of history this morning, okay? 
You have the temple being created by Solomon, being built by Solomon in the Old Testament. Okay, that's the first temple. It's great. It's massive. There's lots of gold. They have this massive, huge, beautiful, ornate, complicated, loud, bloody, because of all the sacrifices, ceremony to dedicate the first temple. Okay, this is back in the Old Testament. And in the middle of this grand dedication ceremony, the spirit of the living God, the presence of the living God fills that temple. And there's lots of smoke and it shakes and it's loud. And God is present with God's people through that temple, right? We move on several hundreds of years. That temple is desecrated. That temple is is raised, basically, is destroyed. And then they build a second temple a couple hundred years after that because we got to have a place where God can meet with us because this is how our sacrificial system works. This is how we do business. So they kind of, they begin to fix the temple. They begin to build another temple. And if you read carefully throughout all the times that they try to fix this temple and rebuild a temple and dedicate a new temple, all those things, the spirit of God never comes back and dwells in that temple the way it did in the first. There's never this great filling of the temple. So you get to the intertestamental period. There's a big Bible nerd word for you. Between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and you have these people called the the Maccabees, right? There's the Maccabean revolt where you have just really bad guys in power and they desecrate the existing temple. They worship idols there. They sacrifice pigs there, which is, which is the biggest no-no of all. And they desecrate the temple. And so the Maccabees rise up and revolt against the government and say, no, no, no. And they do a whole nother purifying of the temple. But guess what? God's presence still doesn't come fully on that temple again. And then we wait a little bit longer And you have the Pharisees and the Sadducees and another group known as the Essenes. They rise to power in the midst of all this. These religious rulers rise to power and they're like, we're going to fix this. We're going to figure out a way to kind of get God back in our system. And so what they start doing is, is just ridiculously, like closely following the law and adding more laws on top of it so that they can further protect the law they put burdens on people that shouldn't be on people. They start hating people who aren't like them. They are full of knowledge, but lacking in all types of love. And they're like, this is how we're going to fix the system. And it doesn't work. They fill the temple with their ways of thinking. They fill the temple with hatred of other. They fill the temple with a bunch of rules and regulations that actually keep people from the God that they are searching for. And then Jesus comes on the scene and he goes, this isn't working. This isn't working. You've tried to clean things out. You've tried to kind of get the house back in order, but what you're filling it with is not of God. What you're filling the, the, the places where God should be is, is not full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. It doesn't look anything like that. It looks a lot like rules that don't make sense. It looks like, a lot like not taking care of the poor. It looks a lot like not loving people. It looks a lot like that. It doesn't really smell like God. And so Jesus looks at these people and he's like, if you're going to clean something out and make space for something, if you're going to hope that that is going to be filled with something good, you better let the good fill it. Because if it doesn't, if you're not prepared for that, if you're not tender towards the ways of God, then guess what? We're just going to fill ourselves back up with things that are not of God. We're going to fill ourselves back up with anger and frustration and love of money and just hatred of others And any type of thing that we can fill ourselves with, because we're humans, 
we're just grasping at all these things. And Jesus says, look, if you don't fill yourself with the things of God, what is gonna fill you up after that is even worse than you were off before. Just like he's looking at these people, he's looking at the temple and he's going, this is not the way of God. You've filled yourselves, you've made more important the things that are not of God than God himself. And so you're missing the key to the story. You're missing the fact that God is incarnate right in front of you, Jesus is saying. And if you don't, friends, if we don't begin to allow God to kind of root out some things in us, because we all have them. We all have things that we just, we're like, we're just clinging to these things because they make us comfortable. We feel safe. We don't really want to step outside our comfort zone. We don't really want to love people who don't look like us or think like us or something like that. And so we just continue to kind of pack things down in us and fill ourselves up with things that are not of God. And Jesus looks at them and he says, this is not good. And he's like, the nations and the people who respond with tenderness and who respond with open hearts to God will rise up against us at the last day and say, you just missed it. You missed it. The Ninevites responded when Jonah was right in front of them preaching about the ways of God and the, and the peace that God can bring to them and the, the, their sin that was before God. And they respond. And they're like, we're going to turn this ship around and we're going to start doing something different. The queen of Sheba realizes that she lacks wisdom, so she actually goes to the source of wisdom at the time and sits and learns and is filled with wisdom rather than just being like, I kind of need to know some more things about that or I'm, I'm kind of angry about that or I'm frustrated about this or I don't know about this or I'm going to change this about myself and we're just going to see what happens. If we're left to our own devices, friends, if we're left to our own ways of thinking and our own ways of problem solving and our own ways of kind of trying to operate in this broken world, then what we will fill ourselves up with time after time after time is not the things of God. We are not predisposed, our hearts and our spirits and our brains and everything about us is not predisposed towards the things of God. We are just at our core sinful, frustrated, angry, messed up people. And so if we allow the Holy Spirit, if we're tender towards what the Holy Spirit is doing to come in and kind of begin to clean out some things, if we're not also willing to then be filled with the Spirit and be filled with the heart and the mind of Christ that calls us to love others, that calls us to care for others, that calls us to care deeply about the things of God in the midst of a generation, in the midst of a world that is just broken, then we will continue to fill ourselves with things that we can find, with things that we can get our hand on. And I know that you guys know this, I know this, those things just lead to death. They lead to decay. They lead to unmet expectation after unmet expectation and frustration and kind of this building, just low-grade simmering frustration or anger or angst or whatever it is because we've allowed ourselves to be filled with things that are not of God. And Jesus looks at these people and he's like, you guys have just missed it. You've missed kind of how to solve this, this mystery narrative. The, the, like I said at the beginning, this kind of mystery story that the Pharisees are trying to solve. And Jesus is looking at them and he's saying, I'm the key. I'm right here in front of you. And yet you're asking for signs. You're asking for extra miracles. And I'm right here. I'm right here. If you would allow yourself to be filled with me, you could stop striving. You could stop trying so hard. You could stop being exhausted all the time. And you could kind of just take a deep spiritual breath and just go, 
We don't have to try to fill ourselves up and fill ourselves up and fill ourselves up because that just leads to death and that way lies madness. Jesus is standing even in front of us now and he's offering, he's saying, will you allow yourself to see me for who I am, to see me as the key to all of the questions that are being asked, to see me as the one true king, the one true ruler, the one true person you can actually go to to be filled up with anything that is worth it and with anything that can sustain you and with anything that's everlasting. Because again, friends, we're just tempted to fill ourselves up with anything that we can find. And the systems of this world are telling us to fill ourselves up with hatred and anger and money and power and violence and all of these types of things that we just want to pack down in there to try to solve our problems. And Jesus is just standing there going, I'm the key. I'm the key. The stuff that we want to fill ourselves with, Jesus says, is even worse as we keep going. It's just going to leave us worse than we were at the beginning. And so as we kind of begin to creep up on Advent, and as we begin to creep up on the birth of Jesus, we're not, we're not there yet. We're not, like, like I said, we're not, we're not doing Mariah Carey just yet. Hopefully some of you are, I'm sure. But like, we're not there yet. As we begin to creep up on this, I think a question that's kind of before us, a question that this text offers us from Jesus himself is, what are you filling yourself up with? And before that, maybe even, what needs to kind of be eradicated? What needs to be taken out? What needs to be kind of cleansed? Where do we need to let the Holy Spirit come in with just a big, bright flashlight and go, ooh, we got some work to do. But God's loving, God's merciful. There's, all, there's work to do in all of us. But where do we need to kind of let God come in and see just the mess that we've made of ourselves? And then beyond that, it's not good enough just to kind of have like a New Year's resolution here. We got to actually like let the Holy Spirit do what the Holy Spirit is meant to do. And that's to lead and counsel and guide and comfort and fill us and lead us in righteousness so that we can be more filled the way that God wants us to be filled rather than the ways that this world tells us are going to sustain us because we all know that they're not. So maybe the question for us today, friends, is what needs to be kind of eradicated? What parts in us are not aligned with the Spirit? What parts of us are not aligned with the ways of Jesus? And then beyond that, we can't just stop there according to this text. We have to then pray. So maybe our prayer this week is to pray, God, would you fill me? Not only would you show me the places in me that need to be kind of cleansed and fixed and set in order where the the carpet needs to be shaken out and the table needs to be rearranged, but where in me needs to be filled? What am I lacking? What, What is missing from my heart right now? And like I said, God is merciful. God is loving. God will do that for us, but we have to be in a position that we are willing to be changed. And that's hard because we're comfortable. We like the way things are sometimes, but We don't want to be like these people that Jesus points out in his illustration. We don't want to be like the Pharisees who come and say, Jesus, just give us a sign. Could you just prove something? I'm just going to pray about this and kind of throw this up to the air. Would you just do something, God? And we have done nothing throughout the course to actually see what God is doing. We haven't paid attention to where Jesus is. We haven't paid attention to the leanings of the Spirit. And Jesus says people like that are just going to be worse off than they were at the beginning. So where do we need to... Be cleansed. Where do we need to have hearts that are more tender? Where do we need to listen better? Let's pray for that this week. Let's pray that God would reveal those things to us so that we can begin to get ourselves in order as we begin to get ready to wait for the birth of Christ. So that we can receive that better than we have maybe in the past. 
Let's pray. God, would you fill us? We're thankful, Father, that you are a God who is close by and not far away. God, you are intimately aware of our lives and you care about us and you long for us to be your people and for us to know you. Holy Spirit, would you just guide us this week? Would you help us ask the right questions? Would you show us the places in us that need to be cleansed, that need to be purified? And then, Holy Spirit, would you, even beyond that, would you begin to fill us? Would you fill us with the things of God? Would you guide our hearts and our minds so that they are ever on Christ Jesus? And would you make us more and more like him every day? It's in his name we pray. Amen.